relent weary traveller, relent! The publishers cannot be held responsible for the mind-bending horrors that await you on the Galaxy of Goosebumps podcast! Obviously in the head. Of course. Welcome to Gatsy on Goosebumps, the show in which I review every single one of R.L. Stone's Goosebumps books from the original series. Joining me today for a very special episode is Chris Brain. Chris, how are you? Very good, Gatsy. Thank you so much for having me on Gatsy's Gatsy Reviews Goosebumps. Gatsy on Goosebumps. Gatsy on Goosebumps. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. When, what book are we discussing today, Chris? Well, today we're discussing uh, Let's Get Invisible, which I believe is the sixth six Goosebumps right. book from the original series in 1993, March 1993. See? Did his um, research. Uh, initially, you pick up this book and you think to yourself, this is definitely a Goosebumps book because it has Goosebumps right at the top and the that's typical R.L. Stein that he has put at the top because that's his name. Um, Scholastic is down the corner. Scholastic is the promoter of the book, um, the producer of it, and they frequently put their name on it because obviously they want to make sure people know. In fact, Scholastic is made, at one point, it's profits made 40% of their profits from Goosebumps. Um, 40%. Because obviously they obviously didn't have much more content. And how much of the percentage are they getting these days, can I ask? Uh, not much. In fact, I don't know. Does He He continues to write them, doesn't he? He, he does apparently writes, I, did, I watched an interview with him, he writes apparently three Goosebumps books a year and one Fear Street a year. <laughs> he could he could up the ante I, but apparently at one point when he was writing this one writing these like, in this time period he was writing one Goosebumps and one Fear Street a week oh uh, no a month a month well that would be so, more acceptable so, there was higher uh, demand that's, and that's price. yeah of course and, but it's incredibly difficult to conti- continually bring out content so I think and the, I different current the original content yeah actually. I think the current um, the current uh, time frame Schedule. is a bit more a bit more Amicable to someone of his age, obviously. He must um, be reaching, he must be 70 now. He must be, yeah. And he's, he's always looked terrible. Mm. Absolutely always. Um, so my initial thoughts on the book cover is just, it, it definitely looks like a Goosebumps book. What is your thoughts? I don't know. I feel like um, initially you don't actually see there's anything wrong with the picture. Only if you really look closely, you're seeing it's getting more invisible. Yep, true. But I would say, I don't know, given the whole invisibility magic mirror angle that we would go into, uh, you could be a bit more creative with the cover art, I think. I think there was maybe more potential there to create a more interesting cover. It's fine. It, it does what it... It says on the cover, but um, we'll note one strategic problem with it mm. is that in the book, and it's very early on in the book, he details it. His uh, shame about his huge ears, which his hair constantly tries, he tries to make his hair cover. In this book, uh, his hair is obviously cut on the sides, so the hair couldn't possibly cover his ears. And arguably, they don't look particularly huge in this on this front cover either. So that is obviously an error. But back in 1993, they made heaps of errors. Number one, electing President Clinton. <laughs> The tagline on the front is, now you see him, now you don't. They've used that tagline on me many times. Uh, frequently, uh, the police will say that. <laughs> Would you like to read us the, uh, the blurb? Yeah, sure thing. So, at the top it says, disappearances can be deadly. As we all know. On Max's birthday, he finds a, a sort of magic mirror in the attic. It can make him become invisible. So, Max and his friends start playing, now you see, now you see me, now you don't. Until Max realises that he's losing control. Staying invisible a little too long. Having a harder and harder time coming back around that problem. Getting invisible is turned into a very dangerous game. The next time Max gets invisible, will it be forever? Reader beware, you're in for a scare. Goosebumps. You certainly are. Um, so discussing the plot, um, 
fairly straightforward. It takes place in a fairly uh, succinct time frame, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's only a th- in the course of a few afternoons the events yeah, actually transpire. A week or two. A week or two about that. So uh, Max does find a magic mirror in the attic with his friends, and uh, the principle is you pull this chain to sure. the light at the top, yeah. and anyone standing in front of the mirror becomes mm-hmm. invisible. Um, but problems start to emerge, don't they, Chris? They do. Well, obviously... All the, he, he, he himself um, is doesn't at first believe that he's been um, made invisible and obviously it's his friends that see him become invisible and then it's just sort of moved um, it, it doesn't really isn't really touched upon for a few days he didn't, didn't really believe it so then he goes and tries it on himself again and determines that he is indeed invisible uh, and then his friends he brings them over uh, to try and become invisible again to prove that it, in, it indeed does work it's not some sort of trick or and anything then his friends decide to sort of consider this a type of game and who can do it, who can hold off the longest. Now, I've played that game before, but not in this similar um, scenario. Although you do disappear shortly afterwards. I believe it's his friend Zach who tries to make it a competition there, so you can uh, stay invisible the longest before um, pulling the chain mm-hmm. becoming visible again. Which I think is a very uh, dangerous attitude to have, uh, a very carefree attitude to have, seeing this is something they really don't know anything about and... Uh, really could be incredibly dangerous as Max tries to tell them frequently. Yeah. Well, I must say up front right now before we continue any further, did you pick up any particular analogy with this practice? Any particular metaphor for what they're doing? I mean, I hadn't, but I suppose uh, it could be about masturbation. Well, it could be about that. I hadn't read that into it, but um, for me, it just seems that they were almost taking a drug of sorts, that they were constantly... And they were starting to become, as the book continued, gradually becoming more and more addicted to this drug and feeling almost uh, like they needed to constantly take it and his is his almost pulled towards going and doing it late at night. I got this really big vibe that uh, that was sort of what... Arlstein uh, was sort of... I don't know if he was intending to go for that, but that's what uh, came off as. And that's a very interesting theory because as we find out... If you stay invisible for long enough, <laughs> you and your reflection actually change places. Yeah, well... Um, yeah. Possibly uh, prolonged drug use can turn you into somebody who's that's not quite yourself. Yeah, which is fine if you yourself are a shit person, but if you're mm. a great person... Like Max. ...and you are taking drugs or getting invisible, then you are putting at risk uh, your personality and all the things you hold dear. And also your visibility. Um, at one point, uh, Whitey, the the dog of the book. Um, it's not a racial swan. Uh, he accidentally goes invisible, and I just think this practice puts him in a position where he's put in things he loves, such as uh, Whitey, um, is put in a, in a tenuous position. I just yeah. think uh, it's not advisable. Um, definitely a profound insight there, Chris. Possibly one that not many of our readers will have picked up on. So, um, Well, yeah. I hope R.R. Stein is watching so he can... We got you. We, we, we know we found your game out. Um, so, as I was explaining, if you stay invisible for too long, you and your reflection in the mirror swap places and, I guess, a sort of slightly more evil version of you takes uh, place. It would, yeah. I mean, obviously, our, our uh, reflections would never give, seem to give off an image that they are more evil, evil but uh, in this book, it is apparent that the reflection is always the more evil of the two. And I'll go with it. So, uh, once um, uh, Zach... And um, I believe it's Erin. Mm-hmm. Uh, their reflections swap places. With yes, them. They, try, yes. they try and get Max to um, yeah. to 
also stay invisible long enough so sure. he'll swap. They'll try to force him to become invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, allegory for peer pressure, perhaps? Perhaps. It's just a... A bizarre take on the book. I mean, I, I, I would agree that I didn't see it coming uh, and that it seemed to be uh, a weird take on it um, and... I hadn't thought about it as peer pressure necessarily, but I've, but I think uh, it is. It just shows the I suppose the nasty aspects of the mirror. Absolutely, and the nasty aspects of ourselves. Um, but how does the plot resolve? Just the plot resolves essentially by um, Max initially um, trying to get out of the mirror, which he successfully does, and they try and push the reflections who are now in the the modern world, uh, try and push Max back in, and. Um, I think it does he is he taken out before uh, he's Lefty? He's taken out briefly, and they're trying to put him back in again. And, that, and then Lefty, who is uh, Max's ten-year-old brother, uh, who is renowned for being uh, inconsiderate in regards to playing with softball in the house, uh, accidentally. Well, we say accident, but it's thankfully accidentally. Uh, accidentally smashes the window, and that uh, prevents Max from being um, inserted, reinserted into that that invisibility, and it. Breaks the window, breaks the light, and all causes all, the other people to yeah, come. And back. all seems to sort of be resolved. He would have seen. It would, it would seem, Chris, and we are left with a classic Goosebumps cliffhanger. And what would that cliffhanger be? Well, we find out that uh, indeed Lefty, his ten-year-old brother, had already changed reflections. Uh, while in one of his uh, occasions as being invisible, and we find out that. Uh, his reflection is now in the modern world and there's no way he can ever get back. And he discovers this because Lefty is throwing a softball with his right, right hand, hand. Um, which I thought was a nice little touch. Um, what were your thoughts on the book? I, I, I found it um, really quite interesting. I always like when um, the, the scary elements don't come from your traditional aspects like vampires or, or monsters or things like that. And it really mm-hmm. is uh, sort of a more original idea of having it based on a mirror. An everyday object. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, it certainly is uh, unique mm. uh, and as a, as a plotline, and I enjoyed that aspect of it. I I like the aspect that it was set in a short period of time. You you didn't really you weren't having to follow like remind yourself of what happened happened weeks or so ago or whatever. Um, but it was a bit repetitive. I found I found there's just this constant. Um, point of the chain to turn on the light it seemed to be just repetitive after a while and I got I did in, in, in fairness get tired of that same repetitiveness of playing this game which gave me off the, which gave me the the belief that it was indeed a, a drug of sorts because I kept trying to do it and re go into that world and I just found it sort of it did I know what you mean so. and he likes to end um, chapters with a bit of a cliffhanger but how many cliffhangers yes. do we get in this book where they pull the chain to make him return to visibility and they're waiting a long time and they're not really yeah. sure he's going to come exactly. back I think it works one time I think he, and he uses he, that again and he again. uses that many times and he also uses the repetitive nature of uh, they can't and someone goes missing or something like that and they start calling out their name and then apparently they're behind something yeah they're not actually and that happens two, at least yeah, twice yeah maybe three times and so that. I just you know I was a bit like oh gosh okay here we go again um, for a book of 130 pages you would expect him not to need to repeat the same same old same old I did find those aspects here repetitive I did really enjoy uh, the description of and sort of the concept of this mirror world that uh, Max actually gets sucked into um, sort of 
inside the mirror where he comes face to face with his evil reflection mm-hmm. and he, you know, he sees the faces of the friends who have already been um, consumed by the mirror. I found it a really interesting concept and, um, again, a, a quite an original concept. No question. I mean, it was unique. It was an original one. I appreciated that about the book and I appreciated the fact that R.L. Stein had not gone for just, I suppose, the scariness being just the fact that you're turned invisible, that he'd actually done something a bit, bit more unique and he'd gone that step further and said that the react reflection is now apparently evil and that that's the reason you're allowed to go invisible so that the reflection could possibly get out. I appreciated that. I appreciated the fact that that um, was a new, unique aspect of the book, but the fact that we had to go through the same repetitive adventure to get to there eventually, I thought that was a negative of the book. Fair enough. And uh, I will say I also appreciated the fact that um, there was no... Uh, explanation offered about the uh, origin of the mirror. Previously, as I've discussed in the series, um, he tries to give something supernatural a magical uh, explanation, saying there's a curse behind it or something, um, which I find really cheapens. I think it's better, as in the case with this, it's just left unexplained. There's a magic right, mirror yeah, and you don't yeah. really need to understand. Maybe it's scientific, maybe it's magical, you don't need to know. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Uh, thoughts on the book, Chris? Did you enjoy it? Would you recommend it? I... I, if you are a fan of Goosebumps books and you enjoy reading them, then obviously I would advise that you read that one. Uh, I think that it is perhaps um, a lot more, as I've said throughout the video, repetitive, more repetitive than other Goosebumps books where they I don't know, necessarily if R.L. Stein had more material to work with, but he certainly doesn't find himself repeat, repeating the same old scares in some of his books. Um, but as a book, I found it, um, you know, enjoyable. Uh, and uh, I possibly... If you're a Goosebumps fan, then of course I would advise you read it. But um, I concur. I think this is a, a very well-written one, besides the repetitive nature of it. It really picks up towards the end. It has some really original concepts. And um, a, very, a very spooky concept, the idea of uh, being removed from yourself and trading with your reflection. Also, staying invisible forever. It's just a very uh, scary concept in itself. That concludes our review of Goosebumps number six, Let's Get Invisible. Uh, please join me next week in which I review Goosebumps number seven, uh, Night of the Living Dummy. Would you like to finish with my signature catchphrase, Chris? Yes, I would, Alex. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm absolutely. Yeah, I really do appreciate you having me as a special guest. I will go with the catchphrase, um, uh, ready, set, go. We scare because we care. <laughs>